you're a miner. Your father was a miner. Your father's father was a miner. Your father's father's father was a miner. And the trope goes on and on and on and even further than usual because your mother was a miner. Your mother's mother was a miner. And your mother's mother's, well, you get the picture. So long as you toss in all your aunts, uncles, siblings, and cousins within memory or recorded history, then you've got a picture worth a thousand generations, all doing the same thing, more or less. You've been chipping at rocks ever since you received baby's first pickaxe, and the cunning of your people knows stone through and through. You'd think a life like this would be dull and dry with its dusty and methodical repetition, but the mystery waiting behind every wall, has always helped you find the energy to hoist your tools and start the day. Rocks and metals are not just mundane or precious to you. They hold ancient secrets and stories, little understood by even fewer people. And besides, how could they bore you compared to your new coming-of-age responsibilities? Logs, ledgers, and libraries, running total columns and transactional records. Could you possibly hate this more? There is no mystery in such thoroughly precise information, no unexplained tales lost to time, just complete and tediously exacting... Wait a tick. What's that? Your inner annoyance almost caused you to miss it, but you spot a deduction of a rather large portion of assets. And the reason given simply says, tribute, comma, XX. You turn to your mother sitting nearby, her quill scratching at the page of a massive well-worn tome. What's this here, ma? It says, tribute? Her eyes peer over her smudged spectacles, and she gives you a cheeky smile. Ah, so you found the secret to our success. You feel your eyebrow instinctively cock as your face dons a look of confusion. Secret? Success? Who's... who's XX, Ma? The wrinkles across your mother's face deepen with delight. Why, that would be... Zezavus? The Zorn. Hey there, creatures, and welcome to Encounter This, a podcast exploration of the creatures from Dungeons and Dragons and the lore that surrounds them. Hello there, creatures, and welcome to another episode of Encounter This. I am your host, James X Marks the Spot. Kid, and with me as always is Freeman, my precious Iceton. Uh, I don't do a very good South African accent or a very good Andy Circus, apparently. So, or a golem. <laughs> I wasn't gonna try golem. I don't. I don't have that kind of energy. That deranged, hungry energy. Andy Circus is a very, not me. very distinct voice. So. Yeah, he would be he's also incredibly one. versatile. Yeah, <laughs> very. 
but if you didn't pick it up from the intro or from those nicknames, we are talking about Zorans today, and they can be found on the Monster Manual on page 304 if you want to follow along. And by we, I of course mean Freeman, because I'm doing the intro, and that is my contribution in its entirety. <laughs> Sit back and shut up. <laughs> That's the plan. Uh, Zorans. I I recall reading about these things a while, a while back, and um, and I remembered pretty much everything, um, because it's not super detailed, to be honest. <laughs> um, okay. I I did realize as I was writing this episode that I made an uh, an uh, uh, an accidental trend uh, yet again, like with the flails. Now I didn't realize these creatures were going to be. An earth elemental. So, so oh. I'm on an elemental train, apparently. <laughs> right on. Um, but uh, yes, they. Yeah, I don't. I'm excited. I don't know anything about the Zorns. The only Zorn I know is Zorn and Son of. Uh, oh, Son of Zorn. I, I've never watched that show. <laughs> I didn't even oh, think of that. Oh, it's so fucking funny. Is it? I am so mad. It got canceled after the first Zorn season. Is that Zorn with a Z, though? Yeah, it is. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's uh, Jason Sudeikis. Mm. And Tim Meadows just is a perfect, <laughs> perfect character in it. Uh, nope, never watched it. Um, but uh, yeah, let's talk about the old, the old 5e Zorn here. Well, th- I mean, this creature actually appears since 1e in every edition, oddly enough. Um, oh, wow. I'm uh, pretty sure they're one of those proprietary creatures. Um, so I, I didn't really expect them to go back that far, but... Um, it doesn't add a whole lot of meat to it. I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. So uh, these guys kind of go under the radar. Uh, but a Zorn, well, start off with the appearance. Uh, is, the appearance of a Zorn um, basically immediately gives away its unnatural origins. Um, its uh, body is like rocky and pebbly. It can range from three to eight feet tall based on its age, essentially. And the width mostly equaled its its height as well. Um, and uh, they could weigh up to 9,000 pounds, or 4,100 kilograms. Um, and so they're dense as all hell. And these are, these are medium creatures, and they weigh that much. Um, wow. Yeah. So, and I took, a, I took a page out of your book, because considering how much they weighed, I was like, I got to see what else weighs that much. <laughs> so they weigh approximately the same as a 40-foot cargo container or a monster truck. That's the cargo container that people routinely make homes out of. Yes, yeah, like it's one of that's the big crazy. Ones, yeah. <laughs> um, and when you say monster truck, you're not just talking about something jacked up. You're talking about like grave digger. Yeah, like something huge. Yeah, something really big. <laughs> crazy. So, yeah. Um, so very, very dense. But I mean, they're they're from the elemental plane of Earth. Um, they are essentially made of dense rock and Earth themselves. So um, they have. Three long arms. They're tipped with large talons. They have three thick, stumpy legs with clawed feet. And they have three stone-lidded eyes. And they all sit uh, equidistant around its large, heavy body, essentially. So they have this, what you would call a radial symmetry. Um, with with okay. one exception. So the, the arms connect at the very top of the body. And it doesn't really have what you would call a traditional head. Uh, instead, its mouth sits on the top of its body, and it has this powerful mouth that's filled with long teeth. It kind of splits down a proverbial middle, um, so it kind of like 
in one of those three arms, it starts like in the center of where that, that joint would be. And then it, it goes across the body in, and to the other side in between the other two arms. If, if you can kind of imagine, I mean, it's easier to see if you look at the artwork, which I've posted here. Yeah. Um, so it's essentially a stumpy tripod. And then basically in the spaces between the legs at the top of the body are arms. Right. And in the spaces where the legs are between the arms are eyes. And then there's just a mouth that runs down the yeah. center, it looks like. But the mouth isn't like circular. Um, it is like specifically divided in a, in a half, which is like the only sort of non-radial symmetrical kind of element. Um okay you know what i mean gotcha yeah i do um so uh not a big fan of this word but it's essentially just like a serrated gash yeah more, more or less yeah that's a reasonable way of putting it i guess <laughs> um the uh the artworks varied a lot uh if we want to touch on that um i mean back in one e it everything's reflected in that pretty much but it it it's really strange looking it kind of looks like it's, it's when he's got like scale like oh, human teeth like yeah <laughs> and and it kind of looks like it's shingled like a roof <laughs> yeah and it's got um it's got square iris there is or rectangular iris is yeah. like a goat yeah right yeah it's so strange and then the next one looks like a fish out of water a really mutated fish out of water or tui very fish-like eyes um, uh, that one also looks like it has a trificated mouth. It does, actually, yeah. That, uh, I didn't notice that before, but you're not wrong. It definitely looks that way. Um, three looks like a frog hemoth that was born with a bunch of physical defects. It's so inconsistent <laughs> to the rest. <laughs> it's, it looks like the god of Nurgle from Warhammer 40k. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that, but I'd take your word for it. <laughs> it's pretty messy. It looks very, like, straight up deformed. But you can't quite tell what its, what it's uh, normal form should be. Um, but then 4E and 5E are exactly what I, I, I described, more or less. Um, they're both pretty consistent with each other. Um, I actually have to give props to the, the 4E art on this one. It, it's pretty cool. Yeah, there the Fori it looks like where where the pupils change to um I don't know what those are called, slits, I guess. Yeah, like cat's the eyes. Cat like thing, yeah. Um totally. Um Neat. But yeah, the uh these creatures uh, again, you know, their physical appearance betray their unnatural origins. It's qu- quite obvious. Um there's nothing really in the natural world that will take on a shape like this. Um, now, since they hail from the elemental plane of Earth, uh, they actually uh, prefer not to leave their home of that plane, uh, because while they're there, they can just eat uh, uh, their fill without reservation. Um, and uh, when they arrive in the material plane, which is usually by accident and or curiosity, uh, they have to seek out sustenance um, and uh, they do so well trying to find a way to return, usually. So their, um, their abilities f- uh, granted to them um, from the plane allow them to effectively glide through earth and stone to do this, uh, very much like a fish would through water. And so they better have mechanics to reflect that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and one of the curious things about it is that they do not displace the earth and stone. Uh, rather, they merge with it as they flow through it. And so they don't leave any tunnels or holes or hints of having passed through at all. Um, 
so cool yeah so it's like it's they're flowing through it like a fish in water but still not quite um and uh so as such they obviously generally dwell in the underdark uh and they range far and wide to sustain their diet uh so um it's this is like a, kind of a really important element of these creatures <laughs> no pun intended uh that uh when they're on the material plane they have to search out food because it's not what they what they need is not plentiful on uh, the material plane like it is in the elemental plane of earth uh because they specifically need a diet of gems and precious metals um oh interesting yeah they they uh they basically spend most of their time tunneling uh, through the earth and rock to find their food and uh, are quite aggressive towards miners and treasure hunters um, if their diet uh, is uh, quite scarce. Um, so they, they cannot consume or digest organic material at all. And so, it, which definitely causes a, an issue for them, right? Um, but they have the ability to sniff out what they can eat, which can often lead them towards adventurers or denizens of the Underdark. Uh, so anyone who, who's carrying gemstones or coins at a minimum uh, might find that a Zorn is, is tracking or heading towards them. Otherwise, they tend to ignore creatures entirely because they're just not really of any use to them. Okay. I'm going to imagine they have a forked tongue because I don't see anywhere for a nose to exist. So I guess they could just be like porous under all that yeah, rock. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. yeah, there's definitely no evidence of a nose or a tongue. Um, but I guess the mouth, the mouth gives, uh, gives the idea that maybe there is one. Um, they're, they're very much not evil. Um, although I think, I think as a general rule, uh, earth elementals tend to be, or a lot of, a lot of creatures related to the elemental plane of earth tend to be. And, um, the, uh, so because of that, they actually, the first thing they do is they try to, if they need to interact with, uh, creatures, they try to bargain or beg. Um, for them to give up their pre precious materials and, and treasures, usually offering information of their travels in exchange. And uh, if they are ignored, you know, they basically, they might resort to threats and bullying, but if they're starving or angered in some way, they will resort to force if they have to. Okay, so we have signs of intelligence and communication. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. That is not what I would have thought looking at these things. Right. I would have. Don't, I, yeah. I definitely would have thought bestial. <laughs> Don't judge this this uh, book by its cover at all. Um, there was a little quick quote in the in the monster manual as well. Um, it is uh, X the Mystic's sixth rule of dungeon survival, and it says, "Keep ge a few gems in pocket. A hungry Zorn is a helpful Zorn." Um, oh, I like that. Yeah, that's cool. So uh, it's easy to mistake the you know these creatures might be on the hunt and prowl to steal these things away from a player, but it's also possible that a player might come prepared. Uh, and I love that sort of twist on, on, on that idea that's, hey, you know, this gem might be of use to, to trade for information in a way you wouldn't expect to a hungry creature. Love it. Yeah. Um, but that's it for the 5e lore. Very straightforward. Okay. Um, you know, a little bit surprising, but uh, nothing, nothing complicated. Very surprising to me, at least. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it look, it just looks like an angry, vicious creature, but it uh, it just it doesn't really want to interact with other creatures if it doesn't have to. Um, gotcha. Now there there was a few things that I I noted down here from previous editions in no particular order, but I think a lot of it comes from two E and three point five and a couple supplements. Um. 
there was a variant known as a Zarin. Uh, and it, is this the one that wants to speak to your manager? <laughs> um, maybe, maybe uh, it's got a it's got a um, a higher standard for what it eats. I think it's got a more metallic body, and its diet focused on focused more on metals. Um, but it could draw strength from eating enchanted metals. Oh, cool! Yeah, so like like a like a plus one mithril or something like exactly, that. Exactly. Yeah, and cool. so. Uh, they uh, Zorans were known in previous editions. Well, this uh, it's not in in fifth edition, which we'll cover in the stat block. But in previous editions, they could smell their food, as it were, up to uh, about twenty feet away, and Zarans could sniff out magical metals at double that distance, so forty feet. Um, and uh, if these creatures happened to gather in groups as well, they would send only a single emissary to negotiate for food, rather than sending a whole group. So they had this this level of like you know no, let's not let's not try and get in there and be intimidating. We we actually want to exchange. Um, so now we're seeing self awareness right. and the ability to make reservations at a restaurant. <laughs> it's a recipe for disaster. <laughs> um, uh, what can you say? Zarens love brunch. <laughs> oh, brunch is the worst. <laughs> Uh, as far as uh, we can say that we're restaurant people, yeah, well, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, as far as tactics go, oh god, <laughs> getting into tactics, um, uh, they uh, immediately asked for the manager. Of course, now they if they uh, <laughs> uh, if they are injured, you know, uh, in a conflict, they will resort to a guerrilla tactic kind of uh, fighting. So they because they can so freely move in and out of earth and stone. Um, they'll just basically zip into the floor and you just don't know where they're going to be. And they just pop up and attack again and zip back into the wall, so to speak. So 9,000 pound night crawler with three arms. Seriously. <laughs> and a really vicious mouth. Um, yeah. They had a. That sounds horrifying. They had some history of relationships. Uh, Dow genies uh, being the earth uh, elemental ones. They, um, they often uh, would hunt Zorn for sport. And keep them as slaves. Um, very, very evil creatures, the Tao, as far as I recall. And They um, are, yeah. Uh, there's also uh, Yak Folk, uh, which yep. have a bit of a history in D&D. They were introduced in Storm King's Thunder module, I believe. And uh, they were said to have maintained good relationships with Zorns, as well as Azers and Windwalkers, the latter of which were like rare serpent-like elementals that only appeared in 2E. Um, oh. Yeah. Cool, but I think I, th- I don't know Windwalkers. Yeah, I don't. I, I didn't really know either. I just just a cursory glance on the wiki for that. But um, uh, they had this good relationship with Zorns, uh, from what I could gather, because they served an elemental lord called Grumbar, who also favored Zorns. So basically, Grumbar liked Zorns. Yak served Grumbar, therefore Yaks like Zorns. Uh, kind of a mutual. We've talked about yak folk before, but I can't for the life of me remember what episode. Yeah, it was. me neither. Um, they they have a, a, a they have quite quite the um, um, page on the wiki um, with lots of detail. But um, uh, they've as far as I know, they've only come up in the Storm King's Thunder and have not been like fully fleshed out as like a playable race or anything. So that sounds right. Yeah. But we may look forward to seeing them in the new Mordenkainen book. It's I possible, think. yeah. <laughs> think they're adding some new uh, mm-hmm. ancestries. Yeah. Um, there is a god called Geb, who is an old uh, Mulharandi god. 
I don't know much about that. I'm, I'm, I've never been very good with the old uh, colloquial and 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 geographical uh, details in in D anD D. But um, uh, he was a god that uh, did at least have a tendency to send earthquakes when was when he was displeased, uh, and he considered Zorn's sacred. So he did have some connection to um, to the earth and and earth elemental sort of themes and that sort of thing. Okay. Uh, for, so Mulharund is a uh, is is part of the continent that's east of Faerun. Okay, it doesn't really uh, factor into Five E very much. Right. We we very much stick on the Sword Coast, but there it, the Sword Coast is has a land bridge to another continent, and okay, uh, Mulharund is one of those. Uh, gotcha, or at least was one of those empires. The D and D timeline I find very confusing. Yeah. Um. And uh, finally, they were uh, also considered sacred by a couple of gnome deities. And I mostly put these down because I love the names. Um, there's one named Flandel Steelskin, who was the god of smithing Amazing. and mining. And this one's really good. Caladurin Smooth Hands. Who <laughs> was the patron of uh, the, uh, the Svirfneblin, or the Deep Gnomes of the Underdark. Kids, if you ever decide to star in adult films, look no further than gnome <laughs> deities for solid names. <laughs> Caller Duran Smooth Hands. <laughs> oh, so good. Just change it to Randy Steelskin and you're good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, there was a 2E supplement book as well called The Ruins of Mithranor. Uh, Mithranor being the, uh, the former... Um, Corman Thor, or sorry, I think I said that backwards, but uh, formerly Corman Thor, eventually known as Mithranor. Um, and so this book co- uh, talked about that area and the ruins of. And um, it, in that book, it was said that the stony flesh of a Zorn was needed as a component in creating an item called the Dagger of Defiance. And the Dagger of Defiance uh, was a magic item that granted immunity to fear and repulsion. And enabled the wielder to more easily resist the effects of enchantments, uh, enchantments, charms, polymorphs, and petrification. Um, specifically, even listed the ingredients. It required a standard dagger, doppelganger blood, the distilled essence of Zorn flesh, and the casting of fear and repulsion spells. I want to play a game where we're given like a big boss, but all of the players just decide on like one of these old school items that they want. And the, the whole campaign is just us going to get the shit to make one of these yeah. fucking weird <laughs> items. I think that would be so fun. I mean, it's so it's like uh, automatically uh, again, accidentally reminiscent of the flail snail, right? Here we have another elemental creature we didn't expect. And, and then yeah. they're connected to, you know, they're, they're something about their, their person is connected to creating a magic item. <laughs> I, 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 I think, yeah, I think I need to explore older editions more. Mm-hmm. I know my, my game table is, is a 5e table, but I think, I think it's time I start delving into like one and two E, yeah. even if it's just 5e conversions, but. Well, that's just it. Yeah. I mean, a friend of the show, Gabe, um, who was over at uh, Interparty Conflict, um, and he's had a couple other previous podcasts. Of, he recently said that he was he was uh, planning on working on a new uh, podcast when he had the time and he was going to convert one of his one of his uh, favorites that he never got to play at, but something he's always going to play. It was like a original or a 2E um, game. He wanted to convert it to Pathfinder 2nd Edition. I was like, oh, that sounds so cool. If you need help, let me know. <laughs> uh, 
um there's some there's some great material back there um back yeah and it really shouldn't be that difficult no right like really i mean it was 5e and 2e are like the the the, the Legos are the Fisher price right. of, of the TTRPG <laughs> world. Like they're so incredibly streamlined yeah. and, and dialed in. Yeah, it's it's a it's, it'd be a more of more of a time sink than a difficulty, you know. Um, yeah, sort of thing. So it, yeah, yeah, CR adjustments and stuff like that. But yeah. I mean, I feel like we've been doing this show long enough that I can, that I can probably do that stuff in my sleep. Right. Exactly. Um, and I know Pathfinder Second Edition in particular, like they have a, an extremely streamlined system for like setting your your stats and your and your dcs um according to level um and you just you just follow those charts and you'll have shit that's like that works and is balanced um the hard part is like making sure you you nail down the um um if you have to build having to build uh custom stat blocks you know from the ground up you know do you include right. stuff that's pre-written there's probably a certain amount you would probably quite a bit you would uh from like monster abilities but then there's certain things you'll want to do custom and you want to make sure those work um appropriately for the system but that would that would you for know, sure be the biggest dif- difficulty curve otherwise it's just would take unless time. it's a world ending boss i'd probably just pick something and reskin it yeah you know? i like mean there's no totally it's not a whole lot of need to convert every single 2e stat block to 5e when i can just for sure you know grab yeah. something that's at least akin to it yeah you can always find something that, uh most of the time find something that's like similar to what you're looking for because you know a lot of the time the the specific unique creature may not be the most important part it's just it's why they're there and why you're there that's the most important yeah, the story right i that's exactly how i feel yeah. um you know like whether i'm sure some have like lair actions and stuff like that you'd have to convert but sure again unless it's like a like a book ending boss or like a like um like a set piece mm-hmm. i don't really feel like you'd have to do that for most combats like you could just drag and drop two yorks with five yorks totally Huh. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I think I think you've convinced me to <laughs> convince you to run a campaign like this because I want to play in it. <laughs> oh man! I could, if I could just do it as a job, that's what I would do. I would just I would sit here all day and just convert shit. It would be so much fun. Yeah. I'd write it all yeah, out. Fair I'd enough. Love to do that. Um. But uh, yeah, that's all the D and D lore I got for you. Right, that's, that's it. That's it. That's all the D's that dared to D. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I right. have one little cultural lore, and it's very loose today. I it, literally five minutes before um, we recorded, I um, I came across it, <laughs> so it's very last minute. Um, but uh, there apparently is a Marvel character called Zorn. Yep, uh, who appeared in New X Men two thousand one. Um, I have that issue. He had a yep. mini- miniature star residing in his head. They gave him the abilities of gravitational electromagnetism. Uh, self-sustenance and healing although he was eventually revealed to be Magneto in disguise, sort of then I watched a small video that was discussing this character who turns out his name is Quan Yin Zorn I think, and then there was his brother who was like Shin Zorn or something, and they had this really, really, it was a very it was like a five minute video and I I, I was lost, I was immediately lost <laughs> and, and, and most importantly, bored out of my mind because as a guess yeah. is not an interesting, it's just the most convoluted nonsense. And it even touched on how like he was, a, this character was originally supposed to be a Magneto in disguise, but then Marvel backpedaled because they liked the character they made. So they just, and then, and then it split uh, two ways. And so there's like a conflicting timeline. And I was like, yep, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah, not interested. <laughs> that time in Marvel history isn't their greatest, though. Um, you said that he was from the new X Men. Yeah, new X Men two thousand one series. 
Yeah, so in that series, uh, we get some amazing characters. There's a there's a tattoo character uh, who's very reminiscent of of tattoo. We get Dust, who's an amazing character, uh, and it's a really tight series. Like it doesn't last particularly long. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the reason Marvel backpedaled on that is because the fans hated it because that's already happened with Magneto in disguise. Oh, okay, twice Joseph and well, I guess Strife was Cable, but. Um, but we we had Joseph already, who so, was Magneto. So it was just like a tired Magneto's trope. They're like, no, nah. it yeah, yeah, it really was. Fair enough. Um, but it's a good run. It's it's a tight. I think it's a I think it's a tight thirty two issues. They have a really they have a really big part in Planet Hulk, if I'm remembering this correctly. Okay. Um, I, I'm not saying go out and read it because yeah. Zorn is not a particularly interesting character. Mm-hmm. Like I've forgotten almost everything yeah. I knew about that character. There was a couple uh, cool elements about them. You know, there was like the brothers had both had these suns in their head. One of them was like this bright white sun. And the other one form and manifested as a black hole and, and it, it changed their power, their powers worked and stuff like that. I was like, Oh, this is, you know, kind of neat, but it just got really convoluted really quickly. And, and also this, yeah. it had nothing to do with what we're talking about. So <laughs> other than the Fair, name, yeah. it's like, this is like not in any way rock or earth related. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was just, uh, it was whatever, just a quick, quick reference, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I guess then we, it, it's not related at all, but obviously we have son of Zorn, like we touched on earlier, right, yeah. <laughs> which isn't even spelt the same way. Um, uh, but it's pretty great. Uh, Zephyria is like what you would imagine, um, like the past being, and it's it's good. Okay. Cheryl Hines is in it; she's fantastic. Johnny Pemberton's in it; he does a good job. And Tim Meadows is, mm. as always, just incredible. Yeah. I love that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's that. That is that. And you know where that brings us. Is this the time where we uh, crack our beers and toast to the world? That's exactly it. We toast to the world and say, please bear with us for another boring stat block. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Not Zorn to be wild. Not at all. <laughs> oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, I I assumed that the stat block was going to be kind of middling, but yeah, I mean, they yeah, uh, they, they look really cool. Yeah, they uh, they're they're slightly beefy, but they are super basic. So uh, CR five, um, which I guess I'm kind of happy with. You know, looking you're looking at the creature, I get the fear that they're going to make it like a CR two for some reason. Uh, you know when it feel when it looks like it should be like a CR nine, uh, so five. Yeah, I'm happy that with. would have been really. I'm not gonna complain. Five sounds about right to me. Yeah, uh, seventy three HP. They have a speed of twenty feet and a burrow speed of twenty feet. Um, so no slowing down or speeding up, regardless of where they're at. Uh, AC nineteen okay. natural armor. So, um, you know, not too bad. Medium in size, elemental, neutral alignment, uh, and they only speak Terran. Which I find a little bit odd. Um, I mean, it makes sense that they would, but given that they're prone to communicate, um, they don't really give you a whole lot of options. Now, in three point five e, they did speak common. Okay, and I would already say, give them under common at least. They're they're hanging out in the underdark forever and ever, pretty much trying to find a way home and, and feeding and, and bargaining. 
surely they would learn Underdark at some point. So I would say just give them that at the very least. Um, yeah, or or if you're not feel if you're feeling very generous, I think there's a there there would be a pretty easy justification for norm gnomish or dwarvish between the sniffle burum sniff 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 snivel sphirfneblin <laughs> and the dwargar totally 100% um, the uh they do have uh, a little bit of dr uh just the classic piercing slashing bludgeoning versus non magical but also non adamantine adamantine weapons so um made with adamantine okay so explain that to me how does that stack does it have to be a plus 1 made of adamantine or can an a regular adamantine like spear appear? I think it's I think it's one or the other. Um okay. I I think that's how I interpreted it. It's like you know uh non-magical weapons will not get through unless they are uh made of adamantine. Okay. I have never once encountered an adamantine weapon in any of the games I've run or played. <laughs> Cuz 5e doesn't give any love to to precious materials sadly. Yeah. Um, that feels that feels accurate. Yeah, they. Uh, I mean, uh, admittedly, Pathfinder uh, doesn't utilize them that much, but they, they do have at least have like detailed systems and and costs and everything for them. Um, they very much feel legacy at this point. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, the only one that really seems to come up really ever is uh, silver, and that's if you happen to be, you know, gearing towards wear creatures. I find cold iron comes up a lot, but. Only in stat blocks and never in, in like actual yeah. real world encounters. And it's straight up not in 5e. There's no cold iron stuff yeah. at all. So, um, now in earlier editions, uh, Zorans were actually immune to fire and cold and resistant to electricity, which I think are semi standard for earth elemental creatures. Um, yeah, and I don't see why they wouldn't be. And also maybe think, oh, are they can they swim through lava then? Because they swim through rock and lava's molten rock and. And they're immune to fire. That would be sweet. Um, <laughs> but uh, otherwise, uh, in 5e, there's no damage or condition immunities of any kind. Um, they do have dark vision. So maybe that's where the cat's eye comes in. And tremor sense, both at 60 feet. They got a boost to perception and stealth as well. Uh, fairly big boost to perception, uh, giving them a passive perception of 16, um, considering their wisdom is just a 10 with a plus zero. So, you know, they've got a, got a solid boost to that. Well, except for the places where their arms block, those vertical slits would allow them to see in nearly 360 degrees. So yeah. it makes sense. Yeah, and I have, actually have a note on that um, later on because um, it's something okay. I think 5e is sorely missing. But um, the uh, as far as abilities go, they do have Earth Glide, so they can burrow through non-magical earth and stone. Um, I'd be upset if they didn't. Yep. <laughs> they do not disturb the material it moves through. They also have stone camouflage, which is expected. Uh, advantage on stealth checks and rocky terrain. And they have treasure sense, uh, which means they can pinpoint by scent, specifically, the location of uh, precious metals and stones within 60 feet. So it's much higher than the previous editions. Yeah. Uh, and okay. then we just get into attacks. They have multi-attack. They can attack a lot. They can attack with all three claws and one bite in a single turn. Um, and, feels reasonable. Yeah, and each each claw does uh, uh, 1d6 plus 3 slashing. And the bite does 3d6 plus 3 slashing. So there's a lot of damage coming out in one, one go. Uh, even at, even at uh, level 5. Um, but there's a part of me that kind of like... 66 is no joke. It's not, yeah. It's not, no, no joke at all. Um, 
plus six to hit for for both as well, so it's it's reasonable. Um, it's a part of me that would love to play with, you know, just like a kind of kind of pick uh, directions on on the token that you're using or the the piece you're using, um, and make sure that each claw goes in in, in each direction um, as best you can. So if the creature is surrounded, you know, spread those attacks out across um, as many um, players as possible. Give you a little, yeah. more, a little more realistic approach, right? Where it's just attacking in all directions rather than focusing them all in one one go, um, one direction. I I like the idea that this thing just spins around in a whirlwind, you like Will Smith does to Chris Rock at this year's Oscars. <laughs> How's that for a bargain? <laughs> it's as topical as we're gonna get. Oh, jeez. <laughs> just three open hand slaps. Whack whack whack. Uh, and then, uh, and then uses its mouth for a, for a cross, uh, cross chiding. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this thing is, uh, like you said, if it's as wide as it is tall, it would have a very low center of gravity. So being mm. able to pivot on one of those legs isn't out of the question. Yeah. It also makes me want to say that it would, it would have like, you'd have a hard time knocking it prone. Like if you're trying to trip this thing, you know, you might have disadvantage. Um, I, I would give. I, I would give it exactly what quadrupeds get mm. in 5e, which I think is his disadvantage to trip. Is it? Okay. I think so. I wasn't sure that well, was ever I'll, in 5e. I, just, I know in Pathfinder uh, first edition, you know, for every leg you have beyond two, that you get like a bonus to your defenses. It's a plus two, I think. So quadrupeds have a plus four mm. uh, to CMB, I believe. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um. But that's it for the stat block. Um, the thing that I think is missing that I would like to change would be would be what you referenced there with the eyes, you know, in three different directions. Uh, there's something in Pathfinder called all around all around vision, um, which basically grants you immunity to flanking because you know you can't really take someone off guard if they can see in all directions. Um, so yeah, um, that's something yeah, I would employ okay. here. Like flanking just straight up won't work on this creature. The sort of thing that should be included on like an ooze as well. Uh, there is a there's an ability that um, some of these quadrupeds have. Uh, spe- I'm looking specifically at the goat, and it's called sure-footed, and it is advantage on strength and dex saving throws uh, versus effects that would knock it prone. Oh, okay. So I would just give the Zorn that sure-footed. There you go. Tag it on there, listeners. Um, but yeah, I I think you're absolutely right. There's no reason. That being said. I wouldn't make it Im- immune to things like precision damage because I I understand how sneak attack is built in 5e, but I, I almost fundamentally disagree with with how it's built. So I would still probably give you your sneak attack damage if you were flanking. Uh, yeah, well, see the thing, yeah. I, w- I, w- I wouldn't give you advantage on the hit. Yeah. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Because yeah, sneak attack in 5e is, is like you get it if you have advantage on your attack. Yeah. yeah. So you would still allow yeah. that. I would still allow it because that's not how I feel sneak attack damage, sneak attack should work. Right. I understand that it's called sneak attack and the idea is that you're so nimble, right. you, you surprise somebody and you strike them somewhere vital, but the it's it's the striking somewhere vital to me Yeah, that is the important part of that, not the 
not the stinking up on them. Like, yeah, I, you, like you could just as easily strike somebody who's aware of you with a rapier through the heart as somebody who's not. Right. You would have a better chance of it, which is the the advantage. Mm-hmm. Well, but so that's just saying. I, I think that's get that strike. Maybe what the fundamental issue with flanking is in five E is that it grants you a higher chance to hit, as opposed to uh, you know, it, it basically gives you um, more skill somehow. Um, as opposed to lowering your target's defenses. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's that's the sort of thing we see in, in Path of Our Second Edition, at least. You know, when you're flanking, you know, you don't get a bonus to your hit. Your enemy gets uh, a reduction to their AC. Um, and it can be a very important differentiation um, for examples just like this. You know, there's no... Uh, this thing had all-round vision. Um, there's no reason to, for it to grant you... Um, an, uh, extra skill in your attack um but uh that doesn't mean it can't have a lower defense in some regard al- such as allowing uh a precision hit to come through yeah yeah i i i i, I get it yeah. i i think a lot of that is very similitude and like how the dm wants to spin it yeah. and, and where the dm gets it in their mind but to me i don't always think you should lose your sneak attack if you don't have have advantage on the attack roll because mm-hmm. at a, as a higher level rogue you're going to have less and less opportunities to have advantage on those those rolls and mm-hmm. sneak attack is your entire thing yeah we were, t- we were talking I mean, about this the other night after our re- most recent session because i'm playing a swashbuckler yeah. rogue and um i'm not worried about it because of the swashbuckler because uh, as long as no one else is near me i can still get my sneak attack i don't have to have advantage um so it's uh, this sort of like little loophole, but but you're basically arguing that um, that should just be a sort of stock standard approach. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, there are some classes that thrive on it, like the uh, the assassin and the the um, the scout mm-hmm. are all, uh, both thrive on that. Um, I mean, I know the scout is technically a ranger subtype, but if we're being honest with ourselves, it's a hybrid class, like it was in one e. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Pathfinder one e. Um, so I think that those classes should, you know, you should be able to get your sneak attack off without, without advantage, because Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't see a value in the advantage. Um, yeah, sorry. And in the other classes, so like as a thief, you know, your specialty is opening locks and stuff, but in combat, you're designed to get in there, get out. Same with like a burglar and an arcane trickster. You, Mm -hmm. You have your own specialties, but. I don't think sneak attack should be dependent on whether or not you've caught your opponent off guard, unless that's like the character you've built. Well, uh, yeah, I, I think um, the thing is that there needs to be more options to catch a character off uh, a target off guard, because you know, effectively, and when you're getting to higher levels, like the rogue can do a tremendous amount of damage with that sneak attack, but they are dependent on finding a way to have advantage, and the general thing to get that is is having another melee on the other side of a creature but that's not always the best strategy you know and so the fact that you're a melee character that's dependent or generally a melee character that's dependent on another melee coordinating with you no matter what in order to be you know properly effective um and 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 by properly effective i mean there's a huge gap there right it's like you're either very effective or or you're hitting a point where you're barely doing anything to help um and it's a it's a really large uh margin of of effectualness that's a word right <laughs> effectuality <laughs> effectivity <laughs> yeah um so i'm with you I, I i feel like there should be more options available to to um 
provide the opportunity for you. So, you know, disconnecting it from advantage in, in some way, I think, yeah. is, is a, a step and, in the right direction. And there are other options. So, like, mm-hmm. that hide mechanic, the where you can hide as a bonus action, that's designed to help you get advantage on your attacks. But how many times are you, like, hiding behind a large rock and then popping out? Like, right. it's it's not the way, in my experience, players tend to think. Yeah. Um, not that that has... This conversation is any bearing on the zone whatsoever, but as bearing on our homebrew of it, I guess. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I, I would make this thing immune to um, flanking. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're using that variant, that particular variant rule, which, in all honesty, you should be. Mm-hmm. Um, I, w- I would make this thing immune to flanking because you're For sure you're right. There's no reason why you should be able to flank this at all. Yeah, anything that doesn't require, um, you know vision in a certain direction so if something has tremor sense um or does have vision in all directions you know um like this character uh oozes come to mind like i said earlier um things that don't really need uh, a directional sense to function should sort more or less be immune to flanking the only other thing i had is and this is like i'm not even really married to this at all it's just kind of passing thought um but i wouldn't be opposed to some sort of sort of acid spit attack um it, I think it only sort of stands to reason that it would have some stomach acid to consume its food, it's, but that's a very natural approach, and this creature is specifically, you know, detailed as unnatural. Um, so I'm, I'm not super married to it, but I, I kind of just like, I like the idea a bit of it, you know, sort of trying to, um, if it does get into combat with the PCs, that it tries to, you know, get them to drop or doff, you know, precious metal weapons and armor so that it can consume them kind of bullying and pushing right. them into doing such a thing and maybe maybe shooting acid that degrades the materials um that and, you know it still makes it consumable for them but it makes it less valuable to the to the uh, players um and it's very akin to the rust monster but then i thought eh, maybe i'm just trying to pull from that creature too much and it just doesn't really apply um but it's maybe something yeah, to think about so i i like where your head's at mm. but i think that um that being able to consume Harder materials is already flected in the bite. The bite's already 3d6 damage, so mm-hmm. we can already, um, I'm saying already so much. <laughs> uh, so we we already have established that the bite is much, much stronger than a traditional being, but I, I like where your head's at. Yeah. Maybe even just like a, um, with the three arms, you know, uh, maybe it has a, an ability to, to disarm, like an advantage to disarm or something like that. Um, yeah, that I like. Yeah. I think I might give them a rent. A rent, okay. Yeah, so I would I would take multi attack and give it another variant. So three claw rend. Um, so like you know if uh, rend is a mechanic from Pathfinder first edition and maybe second edition. I'm I'm not. We're not. Yeah, it's in second edition. It yeah. Second edition. So you got rended. The concept is. <laughs> oh yeah, By the I big did. spider. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, so the concept is, is that you, if you hit a creature with multiple attacks, you do extra damage because you hit them so many times and mm. you you essentially rend their flesh. So I like the idea that this thing spins in a circle, hits a single PC with its with all three claws, and it does you know maybe that's when it does five d six damage. Yeah, so it does an extra two d six. Yeah, that'd be a good approach because you could do it sort of in lieu of of um, of uh, the bite. So you could be like. Uh, you know, multi-attack does three claw attacks and a bite or a rend. And then the rend has like this sort of, um, uh, so we're looking for, um, caveat where 
if you had done all three claw attacks on the same target, then you can use the rend. And the rend is like an automatic damage, so you don't have to hit on yep. that one. Um, but you have to like land all three of the previous ones in order to make it uh, work. So there's like a yeah. a lower chance of it of it uh, you know occurring, maybe mayhaps. But but the if you do pull it off, the damage is that much bigger. Yeah, I I wouldn't make the damage bigger, but what I would do is it would bypass any DR that the PCs have. Okay, sure. You could so, you could like almost get you, into like a, a ignore armor if it's like that, if it's like metal that's or something. Exactly it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So instead of it, you know, um, maybe if all three hit, it does it does the same sixty six damage. But if you know you a bark skin or something like that, it just bypasses yeah. it or. You know, it just bypasses any temporary HP or something along those lines. Yeah, we're really, we're really like kind of turning this creature into a, into a Pathfinder One E character now. <laughs> yeah, really I've been reading there. a lot of One E lately. Yeah. That's that's kind of where my head's at. Yeah, but so many little details to go through. <laughs> I know. I yeah. I love that system it's so fun. much. Yeah. Uh, and it'll always have a soft spot in my heart. <laughs> um. Yeah, but I mean, that's all I got. I've never used this creature okay. before. I feel like you no, did once. No, I, I haven't. Oh, no, okay. uh, Griffin used it once, but oh. he didn't use it properly. It turned into notary public by the end of the the debate. That's right. And, um, That's right. Uh, oh no, it was From the Adventure uh, Zone. Was Travis. Was. Yeah, Adventure <laughs> Zone um, graduation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, uh, the Zorn turned into a notary public. <laughs> uh, so that would have been Mr. Travis McElroy. But what about you, listeners? Do you have a soft spot for Zorns or a personal story? Maybe they're much deadlier than we're giving them credit for. We don't have any experience running them. If you do, we would absolutely love to hear about it. You can hit us up on Twitter and Facebook at EncounterPod or Instagram at Encounter.Pod. You can shoot us off an email with the entirety of the story at info at EncounterThis.ca. If you really, really like this or you need to get a hold of us in an absolute hurry, you can subscribe to us on patreon.com backslash encounterpod, where for as low as one Canadian dollar a month, I believe it might be one US dollar a month, you can get direct access to us in the Discord where we are constantly lurking. Nary a day goes by where we don't respond to something in the chat. So you can you you can rest assured your pressing question about how good Son of Zorn was will be answered efficiently. Yes. And if you think we deserve more than the absolute minimum, $5 a month will get you a handwritten thank you letter and access to the show notes so you can see all the spelling and grammatical mistakes we make in these documents. And for $10 a month, you can suggest a creature. Maybe you want to see us do Zarin from 2E or you want to see us tackle something from uh one of those pathfinder games that we talked about maybe you have a particular favorite creature with rent or maybe you, you don't care about that at all and you want to see us do uh i don't know uh some creature from attack on titan <laughs> i guess i'm game? sure there's an attack on titan ttrpg <laughs> yeah i mean probably maybe. yeah <laughs> or maybe you want us to cover the demon of nurgle from one of the warhammer rpgs there you, go. you can ensure that we do that for ten dollars a month uh, and if uh, if that's not enough, if you need to do more, you can rate and review us on your platform of choice for absolutely free. 
and that really does help us out with our uh, with with the uh, the algorithms and whatnot. It's very late. I am running out of English words to use here. So thank you so so much for listening, and uh, we will catch you again in two weeks for Earth Day. Is that correct? Uh, it's like the day before Earth Day, I think. For Earth Day. <laughs> I wish I'd never been Zorn.